Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Okay, you, you've heard they've also pointed to this uh, to, to this issue with the Democratic Party and the Ukrainian embassy. Uh, this, is, this comes from a story in Politico that ran in January. The headline, Ukrainian efforts to sabotage Trump backfire. And I want to read from the article. A Ukrainian-American operative who was consulting for the DNC met with top officials in the Ukrainian embassy in Washington in an effort to expose ties between Trump, top campaign aide Paul Manafort, and Russia. The Ukrainian efforts had an impact in this race, helping force Manafort's resignation and advancing the narrative that the Trump campaign was deeply connected to Ukraine's foe to the east, Russia. So let me ask you, I understand Hillary Clinton lost. And I understand this effort was not as elaborate as, as, as the Russian effort. But was it acceptable or would it have been acceptable for the Democrats to accept help from the Ukrainian government in this campaign? Uh, no, it would be uh, appropriate for the Democrats to accept help from the Ukrainian government. Uh, but I think if you look at the Politico article, and we're talking about just a, a single article here, if you accept all the facts in the article, mm -hmm. the scale of what the Russians did is not comparable to anything in that article. Uh, if it were, the comparable analogy would be that the Ukrainian president directed the Ukrainian intelligence agencies to steal, to hack Donald Trump's campaign, steal emails, publish them, directed a social media army to influence the election, and sat down, its representatives sat down with Chelsea Clinton and John Podesta, in which they indicated they wanted the dirt on Donald Trump. There's no suggestion anything of that magnitude. So the scale place. is different, acknowledge that, but this is problematic. This, this Ukrainian meeting is problematic in your well, eyes. Well, it would be problematic to get any kind of support from a foreign government. Uh, but again, I think to compare the two is a bit like comparing bank robbery uh, with uh, writing a check with insufficient funds, both appropriate money from the bank uh, improperly, but a very different degree of seriousness and involvement uh, in this so, case by a foreign government. So the most recent person to appear before your committee is a former Trump advisor named Michael Caputo. He's going to be on the roundtable in a bit. He, after uh, he spoke with your committee for several hours, he called it collusion delusion. His lawyer, who was present, said the questions devolved into a fishing expedition. Are, are you on a fishing expedition here when you bring in somebody like Michael Caputo? Uh, huh. We are on a fishing expedition. It's just getting worse, but I thought I'd play that. It was interesting to see ABC ask the question. Um, and what about Ukraine? I'm surprised. That was... All week that was relegated to the back end of the internet, what would be considered alt-right, like anything but the mainstream media is all right nowadays. So it's the uh, 17th of July, Year of Lord 2017. I am Tony Reed, and welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. We're going to do the close the loop without the intro, because I just don't want to play too many bumpers today. we got a really long podcast, but... Matt Dowd's at it again. I'm Catholic. Being Christian is a state of being, practicing love. Some of the most Christian folks I know in life are atheist. Instant pundit nailed it. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. Christian isn't a synonym for nice. I tweeted him, I understand you hate Trump and you hate everybody who doesn't hate Trump, but can you explain to me why you hate Christians now? Because this is like the 95th tweet. He's on a roll. He's a douche. Terrorism. Journalist Gina Musa 
of Arab Arabic Al An TV share an absolutely heartbreaking story of a young Yadizi girl on Twitter. You'll never see this in our media, so I'm going to read her 16 tweets. I want to tell you today the story of an eight-year-old Yazidi girl forced to work for three years as a slave by ISIS fighters in Raqqa. I met her in Kobani. Only a couple of days ago, this Yazidi girl was freed by SDF in Raqqa. Her brother still slave with ISIS. Mother missing, father in Iraq. I met the Yazidi girl with purpose of interviewing her about her enslavement by ISIS, but she was too traumatized to talk about it. The Yazidi girl was very silent, scared of men, and of Toyota Hilux cars because it reminded her of ISIS. It was heartbreaking to see. I decided to skip the interview. Instead, some Kurdish ladies and I took Yazidi girl to Souk for some shopping. The girl was only five when taken as a slave by ISIS. Had to wear a full black habaya and nijab. Now she said she wanted to dream, wanted dream dress with colors. After we went to shop and shop out in Cobain, Souk. She found the perfect yellow dress. Look at it. I blurred the picture to protect her identity. I realized how many ISIS brainwashed the Yazidi girl. She didn't even respond to her original Kurdish name, only to the name ISIS gave her. Yazidi girl asked for Islamic nail polish, temporary nail polish you take off before prayer. Kurds told her they don't have that in Kobani. Kurds explained to girl, ISIS is not here anymore. You don't have to pray five times a day. You don't have to cover up. No need for Islamic nail polish. Because girl was only freed from ISIS a couple of days before, ISIS lifestyle still fresh in her mind. Eventually, she chose pink nail polish. We passed the shop named after Alan Kurdi, drowned boy from Kobani. Yazidi girl surprised by unveiling mannequins. She touched their faces. She had never seen it. After three years ISIS slavery, Yazidi girl temporarily with Kurdish family in Kobani. She asked me if we can also buy present for her new friend. Kurdish family that Yazidi girl is staying with her was has daughter. My first friend, she said, got toy for her in bag. Really touching to see. On my way back from Souk, Yadizi girl told me I am happy now, but she keeps her black clothes. Maybe Dawa, Isis, comes back, she said. In meantime, Kurds here in Kabani have traced and contacted father of free Yazidi girl. He's in Sinjar, hopefully reunited soon. Why doesn't our media cover that? Enslavement of women. Oh, I know, because you can't bash Christians for it. Oh, I got it. You can't bash Christians. Okay, that's fine. Impeachment was going to play this really lengthy, boring, and stupid interview by the guy who did it, but it's basically, he wants the president to be more liberal, he wants the president to stop tweeting, he wants the president to act like Washington. But he knew it wasn't going to go anywhere. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. Rhetoric. Breaking, McConnell defers consideration of Senate health care bill in wake of McCain absence due to surgery. This is the long-form editor, Bay Talese. This is what he tweeted. This isn't an, a, a journalist. This is the sort of thing that makes people feel desperate enough that violence may seem to be the only avenue. Okay. The same guy did a op-ed. In the New York Times, the answer might seem obvious. Physical violence is physically damaging. Verbal statements are, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But scientifically speaking, it's not that simple. Words can have a powerful effect on your nervous system. Certain types of adversary, even those involved, no physical contact, can make you sick, alter your brain, even kill neurons and shorten your life. Your body's immune system includes little proteins called pre-inflammatory 
cytokines that cause inflammation when you're physically injured. Under certain conditions, however, these cytokines themselves can cause physical illness. What are those conditions? One of them is chronic stress. So the whole article was like, really, words are bad. Yeah. Okay. My favorite tweet was by Ned Ryerson. That op-ed gave me PTSD. I could snap at any time now. You freaking people. Well, it, it gets better. Don't worry. We got some good shit today. K-File and the CNN blackmail Andrew Kaczynski. These are some more tweets he did in 2015. White people must be stopped before it's too late. Bad faith alt-writer are now tweeting this joke about Chris Christie dancing with Jerry Jones. As if not in jest. It wasn't. Neon Taser took him to task. Someone took a funny thing you did on the internet and tried to make it into a scandal. Why does that sound familiar? Yeah. Why does it sound familiar, K-File? I wish somebody would just beat his ass. Come to Tennessee, K-File. I, 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 come meet me in a Walmart parking lot. It's a no-fault state. I'm sure if we get in a fight, that could be a no-fault, too. Bernie Sanders! This is good. Still happening. The FBI probe of Bernie Sanders' wife closely tracks Hillary's secret campaign plan. This was her plan to release this stuff. And you go through it, and it's following everything Hillary was going to do. So what does that mean? How? How? How, how could Hillary, once again, I'm not a Bernie bro, but how could Hillary's campaign plan be used now to take Bernie down when Hillary still isn't getting investigated? But by the end of the week, his wife said it was sexist. Okay. Little bitch Jim Acosta still three times tweeted this same tweet. An off-now-on-record comment, POTUS talks about Don Jr.'s email. He's a good boy, he's a good kid, and he had a meeting, nothing happened. He did three times. Susan asks, not getting enough retweets? Have to promote yourself? It's a very sad little man. <laughs> His other stupid this week, calling the American news media fake news, may feel good for to some. It may energize the base, but it's bad for our democracy. Jay Caruso, bad for our democracy sounds like a nice phrase, but how is it bad exactly? Doc Washburn, you mean like when they knowingly foist dangerous falsehoods on us? <laughs> Not hail razor or kneel on taser, but razor. Feeding debates question to a Democrat may feel good to your newsroom, but it's bad for democracy. To educated hillbilly, taking a knee for eight years is bad for democracy. I tweeted one was bad for democracy. Like, not doing your job can be bad for democracy. Sheila Booth. Oh, he's a little bitch now, just like Acosta. He falsely claims he was a National Guard. He never was. So he's a stolen valor fuck. I hope a very large man is making him his bitch in lockup. To climate, this was in USA Today. You melt a small apartment-sized chunk of ice each year. Think you aren't personally responsible for climate change? Think again. The average American causes about 600 square feet of Arctic sea ice to vanish each year, according to a study released Thursday. So I, you, we are killing the environment. They had to back up Jill Pavakic, Pavikovic, all right? But as it turns out, a zealotry for sparing the earth from the scourge of children actually has a useful role, highlighting the left's logical inconsistencies and hypocrisy. Jonah Goldberg summed it up perfectly. 
Ever notice how environmentalists are the only ideological faction the left permits to hector women about their reproductive choices? Sweet God, why didn't I think of that? Isn't that just amazing? You or I say we don't want to give money to Planned Parenthood. We're sexist pieces of shit. We need to shut the fuck up and not even ever speak of women's reproductive rights. A colloquial for aborting babies. But they can say that in the climate people. Sadly, even Jon Snow, the guy who plays him, from Game of Thrones, the one irony he found this year was a very sad irony. He went to Iceland to find snow because winter is here. We got there. We were lucky to get snow. We did because in our world, winter is definitely not here. Yeah, because it's summer in the northern hemisphere, you fucking moron. Uh, here's a teaser for next show. Research team slams global warming data in new report, not reality. Totally inconsistent with credible temperature data. It was found that each new version of gas has nearly always exhibited a steeper, warmer, linear trend over its entire history, and it was nearly always accompanied by systematic removing the previous existing cycle temperature pattern. This was true for all three entities provided gas data measurements, NOAA, NASA, and Hadley CRU. So basically, they put something out, then they put another thing out, and none of it matches. Because they keep on increasing it. Because it's all a bunch of bullshit. There is global warming. But when you lie about everything, it's really hard for people to jump on the fucking Prius. The prayer circle really didn't go away this way this week. Um, Gerald Dean tweeted, thank you for doing this. Was the exorcism successful? Frank Rich. Yeah, the Frank Rich. God is dead. Did the demon come out? We had all these evil little things that came over and over. This goes on for like three pages. But this is how it was played in the media. Thank you all very much. And next, a, a pretty stunning image. Let me just give you a quick peek of it. The president bowing his head in prayer in the Oval Office and, and all these people sort of touching him. Uh, it's, it's very strange. We're going to tell you what happened there. Now, I could go with my usual, why does the left hate Christianity? But I'm not going to. I want to ask you out here, all you liberals, all you liberals out in San Jose and San Francisco, you know, folks, um, let somebody say that about a thousand people bowing to Mecca, which happens all the time. Would that be acceptable? It's really kind of amazing. It's real staggering, kind of shocking. So when Christians profess their faith and do something that is not unheard of, I've seen people lay hands on other people at regular churches. That's shocking, huh? But if you said that about Muslims, that would be Islamophobic. Huh? Yeah, thank you. Some more Russia, 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 the dossier stuff, the GPS people, they're going to testify. Remember, that is a Democratic group. It's Democratic. Sean Davis, Fusion GPS founder behind the bogus dossier, was on the payroll of a Russian lawyer that Trump officials met with. Bill Mitchell sums it up better. Democrat PSYOP firm Fusion GPS called for the Senate Judiciary Committee next week to explain their Russian ties. Why isn't that making the paper? The whole dossier, that was the left. Interesting. 
DOJ cleared Don Jr.'s Russian lawmakers. All this stuff all along. Remember, they cleared her. And now she's uh, a toad for, of course, uh, Putin. But they cleared her. She didn't even have a visa. She had nothing. Sorry, it's hot as hell in Tennessee right now. It's like, uh, I'm doing this at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It's like 900 degrees. Got a drink. Beat the heat. Um, so I, my question about it all is how does somebody get in here that is a operative for Putin without a visa? I've heard Ralph Peters, as we heard on that little soundbite last week with Tucker, that, oh, it's just okay. I mean, it's just normal. But he's a Trump hater. So, um, I notice how the Russia gun only points towards the right. It doesn't point back to the left, even for righties that hate Trump. And then last uh, podcast, I believe, we, we said the FEC was going to be looking into conservative meaning only, uh, only, uh, throw an Italian for a second, over collusion, but that's been shot down because they realized uh, that would be called biased. <laughs> tweets of the day uh che michael che recently from his official instagram account the comedian who once suggested donald trump was racist while the future president was hosting snl defended trump's fake news assault on mainstream media and in particular his harsh comments about nbc's mika brzezinski trump calling a news lady dumb as rock dumb as rocks is fucking funny wrote che look trump is not wrong about the media they're not good they do make shit up. They do sensational bullshit for ratings and profits. It's been vanished. But that's Michael Che. Because it is. It's all bullshit. We know it. Russia, 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 Russia. It's just been for ratings. We got it on video. Whole CNN staff. What the fuck over? Excalon, Microsoft among the latest donors to Obama Foundation. There are 700 patrons on that, and I'd like to know, um, where's that money going to? Each Exelon and Microsoft have given over a million dollars to the Obama Foundation, so he must have watched the Clintons to decide, I've got to get mine too. Jamie Dillon blows up a D.C. dysfunction, says he's tired of listening to stupid shit, the J.P. Morgan Chase reported quarterly earnings of Friday, the CEO just basically said both parties suck. Everybody sucks. I'm sick of the sucking. Get some shit done. Good on you. Jake Tapper tweeted, A British urgent, a British judge will allow U.S. Phys- physician Mikio Hirano to examine Charlie Gar in London earlier next week. Will Collier, summed up what Jake Tapper doesn't have the balls to do, read and ponder that, socialized medicine fans. A judge will permit a doctor to examine a patient. What the fuck is that over? Wow. Wow. Jesus. Luxury Yacht owner tweeted this week, I was going to play it, but it doesn't translate audio. 
Feminism is a great message for young girls. Commit violent assault and property destruction to get what you want. It's a new shoe commercial. And literally, this girl goes buck wild and destroys a room. So, uh, it's supposed to be a new feminist ad. Talk about feminist. Nira Tandon, the one we loved reading about during WikiLeaks, or DNC WikiLeaks, because that was just some terrible shit she said. Ira Aya Stark. I can never say her name right. I watched the show. I watched last night. Uh, it wasn't that great, but... Aya Stark has a flag for the resistance. Who's with me? Roosevelt Revenge tweets back to her. I'm totally with you. Plus, the North Remembers kind of works, too, because you know the Confederates in the White House and all. Somebody replied, the Confederates from New York City who beat the candidate was married her way into power with a governor from Arkansas. Okay. Yeah, but red states is why we did this. Maybe the facts you guys are so preoccupied with fantasy TV shows is the reason you haven't been winning election. Just a thought. And he backed it up with Star Wars, that's us. Harry Potter, that's us. Handmaid's Tale, that's us. Game of Thrones, that's up. Wisconsin, where's that at? <laughs> I laughed my ass off when I read that. But Ryan summed up what I said back to Dara Tandon. Do you have to ruin everything with politics? Everything. Why? It's a show about fucking dragons. How can that be political? There's no dragons, lefties. You dungeon and dragon weirdos. Linda Sarsour tweeted, Just know that I'm taking names of those who have lied about me to defame my character. I may be quiet now, but not for long. I am working. Yeah, she said that. Clemson girl. That sounds like a threat. But Fork nailed it. I was going to make a tweet of the day, but I got a better one. Laugh out loud. Sharia law doesn't allow women to sue. And that's what she calls for. Sharia law. But our tweet of the day is Donnie Wahlberg. My mom waited tables. This is from a Facebook account. And my dad tended bars for years. So when I walk into a Waffle House and the staff treats me like a king, you better believe I treat them like queens. Thanks to the team at Waffle House, Charlotte, North Carolina. Donnie Wahlberg, first and foremost, went to a Waffle House. He bought $82 worth of food so he probably bought everybody in the building food. And he left a $2,000 tip for the staff. For that, Donnie Wahlberg, who I love you. I love you in Blue Bloods. Not in a homosexual way, but in a man, you're a great actor. Dude, you rock, and you're the tweet of the day. Hey, tweet of the day! Seriously, if more people, or as we're going to have a segment today, uh... After our opening segment, a music break on the Huffington Post, Meet America. They're going to do a tour through Meet America. Probably should go to more Waffle Houses where you see African Americans, Chinese, Spanish, and Americans all living in harmony without any racism in a really nasty joint that, once again, is America. Waffle House is America. You know, I don't like Huddle House. I like Waffle Mouse. To our hate tweets, this is actually a British thing that now the left is doing. 
For those on Twitter, you've seen hashtag LibExit, L-I-B-E-X-I-T. I didn't know what it was, but now it's a meme with a prepster with a grizzly Adams beard. America has become closed-minded, a backwards-dying nation. I took my talents to Europe, and it was the best decision of my life. Lib exit. I won't read the tweets because it was occupied by nothing but conservatives who said, get the fuck out. Which made me feel better about myself. Phil Donahue, Trump's era, darkest political moment in history. And of course, they're bringing everybody out from under the rocks that were liberal icons, except for Roseanne, who's no longer liberal to the level of these crazy fucks. Conservative artist Joy Vila received death threats for political views. I lost friends. Conservative music artist Joy Vila who sported a memorable gown on a 2016 Grammy reading Make America Great. We actually uh, covered that on the show. I got death threats. I got hate mail. Make America Great Again was something that got me in trouble. They're actually attacking as a sporters and attacking in ways that are quite honestly disgusting. I'm appalled by it. She put out a song, Make America Great Again. It was number three on Amazon for downloads, and she was attacked mercilessly for it. So... Good job, libs. Hate your fellow Americans. Kellyanne Conway, apologies to humorless. Kelly Conway used visual aids to challenge Russia collusion narrative on TV. It literally made people lose their mind. Like Chelsea Handler. Here's a word for the day. Kellyanne Poles, you're a fucking idiot. Grace Vasquez, technically that's not one word, you fucking moron. I think it was funny. I'm not going to play it on the show, but I thought it was really funny. Because you know what? It's just a fishing expedition. These motherfuckers are at a bass tournament and they're throwing every lure in the lake. Hoping Russia bites. Of course, uh, Trump did some with the fresh president's wife. I was going to cover it, but literally, I, I can't cover it. It's just so stupid. They were losing their mind. He didn't, they didn't like his shaking. They didn't like that he stirred his coffee twice. The whole thing I'm just ignoring because he said some, his wife was, man, you're really in good shape. What the fuck's wrong with that? But Dana Loesch has the best hate tweet. Meet Women's March speaker Donna Hylton, who did 27 years for torturing and murdering a man. The women movement's embrace of rape torture psychopath Donna Hilton. Via Twitter on a Reddit forum, I stumbled over this horrifying story. Donna Hilton, a woman who spent time in prison for participating in kidnapping, rape, murder, and ransoming of a gay man, spoke at the Women's March as an advocate for women of color. We've covered this, so I'm recovering it for those who are new to the show. Here, Donna Hilton is being interviewed by a Chinese government television channel. What the fuck is that about? Let's listen to her on a communist TV channel. Where is the investigation on this? Well, Donna Hilton is a member of the Coalition for Women Prisoners. She spoke at the Women's March in Washington today. Welcome to our broadcast. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Donna, why did you come out today? Why, what moved you about this march? Well, first of all, what moved me first is that I'm a woman. And because I was a woman that spent 27 years in prison, and we are the most marginalized of this demographic, right? We continue to be silenced, we continue to be negated, we continue to be vilified and dehumanized. And so it was my purpose today to stand up and to bring us into this moment to say, here, we're here and we're relevant, and you must hear our stories. Our stories are equally important. 
because we are in the situations or have been in the situations we were in because of things just like this. So was this about President Trump or was this about women's rights in general? I mean, we here we see you speaking today, but uh, this has really touched a nerve. We, we were just with Lucretia Franco in Brazil. We were with Stephanie Fried in Israel. In every country, there are issues. Yes. So I want to be clear, and I think I was trying to make that statement earlier, and I've been saying this all day, that we have always been in this moment. We have always had this problem. It's not about a Trump. It's not about any, any one male person. It has been a mindset, a mentality, and a behavior that's been perpetrated forever against women. And so what has happened is that he has allowed it people to see, oh my God, this is happening. It's always happened. And if you're a black and brown woman, we know it's been happening. The majority of prisons and jails are crowded with black and brown women. And why and so is that? Because of the dehumanization. We are criminalized for our color. We are criminalized and sexualized. And so it just, it seems to go hand in hand. And what's happened now is that people are being aware, like, oh my God, this is going on. I'm here to tell you it's been going on. It's been going on. And so now I'm thankful that we do have this moment in time, this movement now to bring that out and to make people aware and say, because some women I realize don't even know that they have been sexualized. Mm -hmm. You mentioned uh, minority issues, but take that out of it. Um, how are women being singled out, in your opinion? Let's take, for instance, what happened when Mr. Trump walked off the bus, was on the bus and walked off. I mean, he was talking, that's locker room talk. So, so the locker room talk means it's okay. This is what the boys club, do, you know, does and, and, and thinks and, and, and acts on. And so it's okay. So, no, it's not about a certain demographic or race of people or women, especially. It's about all women. That's why this movement today, this march today, represents everyone, all of us, all women across the globe. Because this is a global crisis. It has been. You were out there today. I was not. What were you hearing for women, from women? What were they telling you? They were just so awesome. They were awesome and amazing. They were empowered. They reclaimed their power in the moment. And you could tell they were just happy to be present and to be a part of history. And they were like, oh, my God, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. I have someone. I have a cadre of sisters. This is a sisterhood that has happened today. And I think that this was recognized today. With, and we needed it. We need it now ever more so than we ever needed it. So where do you go from here with this? I mean, uh, this is this march was amazing today. Well, it's still going on, I should say. <laughs> yes. But um, 500, 600,000 people, historic proportions. Where do you take this energy and this movement and the attention that you've garnered from here? Well, that's one of the things I said today. It's not just about now. It's about moving forward. I think sometimes we get stuck in a moment, and then it just happened. But we know that we are not, we can't be stuck. This is a crisis that's going on. We are in a very important time in, in, in our history. And so I realize that all the movements that has ever happened in history, women have been really the forefront, the leaders to move it across and to allow it to happen and to just be. And so we have taken that power and we're not stopping. So I don't even need to say where we're going. It's going. So you're going to call going. Your, your congressmen and congresswomen? Are you going to organize we're going to more start, marches? We're going to start putting ourselves into those positions. We're going to look at the people, the regular people like myself, other people, and say, you should have this position. Because we don't need people with, who are billionaires and millionaires to speak for us. 
We know. You cannot tell me how it is to be hungry. You cannot tell me what it is to feel pain. You cannot tell me what it is when I, I don't have the money to pay the rent or I can't take care of my child because I, and I have to go steal a loaf of bread so I can feed my child. You can't tell the majority of people in the world, in this country especially, we, that 99%, we've taken over. That's it. It's, it's our time. All righty. Well, Donna Hilton, thank you so much with the Coalition for Women Prisoners. We appreciate your time today. Thank you, thank you for having me. Yeah, that's a Chinese network that's in America. But um, we've covered this, and I'm really glad she did cover it because at the end of the day, people don't know about this, but she's one of her big thing. They took turns watching. They let the guy for fucking dead. It was, it's all good. It's all good. They just don't give a flying fuck. And she is one of the big people in the women's march. So, you know, if she was a right to lifer or an NRA spokesman like Dana Loesch, oh, help you. Carol Oates, embarrassing to be abroad as an American right now as during the Bush administration, somehow seems worse now. Hoping I make, I am mistaken. That's what she said. And as we started it with Lib Exit, to Carol Oates and the rest of you, get the fuck out if you don't like it. Hypocrisy! Do you believe that Syria is the is the area where these two men share the most common ground and share to gain the most from their relationship? And before you answer that, let's just listen into the French national anthem for just a moment. Marty. The U.S. American National Anthem, I should say. Let's listen. Yeah, that's that idiot Poppy Harlow over in CNN. That was the National Anthem of America, Poppy. You probably don't like that sound because most liberals don't. At least... When Obama was office, maybe you did, but no, even then you guys didn't. You hate America. I got it. WAPO says defunding Planned Parenthood will do nothing to stop abortion. Might not, but it will ensure federal funding doesn't go to abortion with abortion pills, you fucks. Daily Beast pundit, Hillary's the most royally screwed over person in the history of American politics. You don't have to have been President of the United States to qualify for the Miss Me Yet meme, suggested Daily Beast columnist Michael Tomonsky. Tomonsky called Hillary Clinton the most royally screwed over person in the history. History. All right. 
of American politics and contended that it's a tragedy that Donald Trump became POTUS to Monsky opine that Clinton would have been good president, though he thinks Republicans might have prevented her from being great by holding impeachment hearings over very small matters than the things we know the Trump family has done. Oh, okay. That would be rough, but I know this much. She wouldn't be in a national embarrassment. I mean, later on, I'm sure that like me, you hear the words President Trump on the radio and still somewhat wonder how the fuck did that happen? Imagine how Hillary feels. She was the target of the biggest coordinated campaign attack stretching from the Kremlin to Julian Assange. Okay. Okay. Let's stop for a second. Did NBC Nightly News drop a bombshell in October to try to rat fuck the presidency of Hillary? I, I don't remember that. Can you, can you clue me back into when that happened? Can, can somebody point to when the media actually fucked over a candidate named Hillary? I remember the media carried her water for damn near a year plus. 12 years. What the fuck was it? It was 2012. It was since 2012. I think that's, yeah. Do we, do we remember that, boys and girls? I do. I remember it. I remember it very well. So, you know... I, these articles just, it's fucking July, man. It's July and we still have the, she got the election stolen shtick coming from the media. And, and if that isn't hypocrisy, I mean, folks, the right did mourn the loss by Romney, but by the turn of the year, if I remember correctly, it was pretty much over. They'd given up. Because they realize, you know, like we all do, there's elections. The American people pick the candidate they want, and then you move along and you start working for the next election. But every damn podcast, I come on here and we have another one of these, Hillary was screwed, we need to fix this, couldn't we just swap back, or as we'll see later, I mean, there was, can we swap presidents was actually a thing this week, like, can we swap presidents with another country? That That's a thing now that we, we want to swap presidents. Jesus fucking Christ. And that thing was by the you New know York Times. Couldn't we just change presidents? Why can't Emmanuel Macron be our president? American citizens watching Donald Trump visit Paris must have wondered how we got the wrong guy. Alpha 6, can you just move there? Then CNN, Ted Coates Cruz's so-called consumer freedom amendment to be included in a new health care plan. So-called. Elania Johnson, so-called. That's what's called Ted Cruz. Weird. My search for tweets from CNN mentioning the so-called Affordable Care Act turned up no results. The so-called. Okay, CNN. Joanne Reed uses Anamorite website as a legitimate news publication. Yeah, this happened. And they show it. It's a Nazi site. It had Nazi shit on it. And she tweeted it. It's an anti-Trump article. Isn't that the alt-right? Isn't that what she coined? I mean, she started this alt-right shit. If I'm correct, it was her who started it. Yashar Ali, wow, the cover of Time Magazine, no joke, red-handed with a picture of Trump Jr. John Gabriel just nailed it. We got him this time, reporters, every day for the past two years. And that's 
totally true. Brian Fallon showed that he's kind of a hypocrite, but he's better, I guess. He's still a hypocrite, but I, I got to cover this. Bravo Max Boot for calling out Putin lovers and Trump GOP. We Dems aired in 2012 by mocking Boot, Romney, Russia, Worry. Shoshana Weissman, I will troll you less, good sir. You aired and you will do it again if the moment dictates, another tweeter said, which is spot on. But that's nothing like this piece of shit, Paul Magala, POTUS nails mid for saying Russia over number one geostrategic threat. The 80s called. They want your foreign policy back. Bam! That's his tweet then. Here's his tweet now. Listen to this motherfucker. He wants us to nuke him. Uh, with Mr. Kushner and, and Mr. Manafort in the meeting. We were and are under attack by a hostile foreign power. And they seem to be abetting that hostile foreign power. We should be debating how many sanctions we should place on Russia or whether we should blow up the KGB or GSU, GRU. Uh, I mean, we should be retaliating massively because, by the way, if I were a Trump supporter, I would want to retaliate massively because it has tainted, it has tainted his victory. But, in, but the- so in 2012, Dems were 1980s calling your foreign policy, Romney. Now we need to blow up the KGB. Okay. Matt Yanglazy, this is the ultimate in hypocrisy. If I could frame this and put it on the Flyover Politic webpage, I would. Matt Yanglazy, an uncomfortable lesson. Fake news, Romley blaming Ryan for the Speaker's lobby dress code was effective at producing much needed change. Cat duck. Literally, it's okay when we do it. This was a whole thing this week. With Nancy Pelosi going, glad to see Speaker Ryan is updating the dress code for the House floor. These unwritten rules are in desperate need of updates. She was the Speaker of the House. The rules are in there were never written by Paul Ryan, but the media and everybody else played it like, oh yeah, those, remember we covered it last podcast, how horrible Paul Ryan is. We'll let people have sleeveless dresses. And I don't even know why I didn't do this angle, because I was just reading it. I didn't even think. Sorry, I have the hiccups. What the hell? Nancy Pelosi was a speaker. Why didn't she change it? Mary Catherine Ham, check your link in for your last job, you moron. I mean, seriously, folks. And the media carried it. CNN, MSDNC, ABC, all of them. They tweeted it. They showed a big protest by the women of the House, all the Democrats wearing skanky dresses now because it's authorized. Because most of them weren't just doing sleeveless. Short dresses, the whole nine yards. And, and I'm like, okay, I understand it's fun to play the political game, but let's have some goddamn intellectual honesty in all this. And the intellectual honesty is that was a Democrat-run House, so if it was a deal and you really had a problem with it, Why in the fuck didn't you fix it when you guys were in charge? But that's the whole thing. That's what this is all about. It is always the hypocrisy of not only the media, but the left that comes through in these times. They can do whatever they want. The media doesn't call them out. The media doesn't say anything. They don't say, hey, you know, well, Nancy Pelosi was Speaker House and she didn't fix it back then. So I guess it really isn't that big of a deal. No, 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 no. It's Paul Ryan. The first thing Paul Ryan did was when he took over the Speaker's office and write some Puritan crazy shit 
Because remember, it fits the meme. And the meme right now is that Republicans are on that war on women shit. They think they can pull that out and take it for another spin like they did in 2012. But last time I checked, a guy who literally said, grab her by the pussy, got elected president. Because the lady that he was running against, he didn't say it. He actually did it. He raped women. And that was okay. And she threatened women. And that was okay. And nobody fucking cared. CNN's Camarada says the following. She has fatigue from the news media's continued coverage of Russia. And I hear your Russian fatigue and I share it. You know, there are many mornings I come in and pray for other news to eclipse any sort of Russia thread when she goes on New Day. Because that's all CNN says. Guess what the people think to their dickhead. As they say, don't bring a knife to a data fight, especially if it's a pollster. Kristen Solstice Anderson owned Jeremy Peters from the New York Times. He tweeted, why are so many conservatives so willing to exculpate Trump or Russia? They've had a Putin crush for a while. She, crush on Putin for a while, is... Isn't correct. Silly framing debunked by data. And 2015 Dems were plus three more positive on Putin than the GOP. Even setting aside the Putin question up until 2017, it was Republicans more than Dems that viewed Russia as an adversary per pew. Sizably. 2014, 39%, 19% Dems. So, once again, shut up. You're all fucking hypocrites. To our media mash. Oh, this is going to be a good one. This is a good mash. MSDNC clueless about Ukrainian. There's actually Williams and fucking the Joker. They don't know. MD, MDSDNC again. An ACA repeal is because Obama was black. That's, that's why we're doing it. Oh, it's not about the high premiums. No, that's not it. Colbert does another tasteless rant part two. This one is like about Kellyanne Conway, and I want you to listen to it from the perspective, no righty, I couldn't get away with that. They would search out this little podcast, lose their mind. Poppy Harlow, I'm a journalist, I'm not on the left. Oh, are you sure? You don't even know where the national anthem is. And Shep Smith lost his mind on TV about Russia and his Trump hate because he's a gay guy that wanted Hillary. And at the end of the day... He became the Cronkite moment for the rest of the media. MSDNC was playing this going, when you lose Shep Smith, it's pretty obvious that Trump's in trouble when Shep Smith has never been on Trump's team. But doesn't matter because fucking idiots over at MSDNC think anybody that works for Fox is part of the alt-right. Enjoy. But we've heard from the president again three minutes ago on Twitter. I'm hoping you can help me decipher this. Why aren't the same standards placed on the Democrats, period? Look what Hillary Clinton may have gotten away with. Disgraceful. You want to take a whack at that? I'm trying to 
figure it out myself. Uh, earlier he called it a witch hunt, so he's still on the fake news or what the Democrats are doing, uh, that combo. Uh, perhaps this is a reference to emails since his son voluntarily tweeted out a whole email chain. Uh, nobody was forcing him to do that other than the questions that were raised by the New York Times, and they said that they were about to reveal them themselves. So uh, he voluntarily released his email, so perhaps it's an email reference, but uh, it's hard to figure out what this is about. Let the record show Andrew Mitchell's always game for a challenge, though sometimes the material leaves us with more questions <laughs> than answers. Cornell, as they say, the whole world is watching. At least the entire country, everyone engaged on this subject. Well, I, I wish the whole world were watching, and I wish more more voters were engaged. In this. I wish there were more hearings about this. But look, this this is a terrible bill, and when you look at you know, and, and take, don't take my word for it. Take what, Susan, what Republican Senator Collins said. This is going to have an adverse impact on the most vulnerable. This is going to have an adverse impact on rural health care, right? But but this also is politics, right? This Brian, this isn't about better health care. This is about politics. This is part of the the irrational continuum of politics that has happened since we elected the first African-American president. They tried to delegitimize him for eight years. They tried to block everything he, he tried to do for eight years. And now they're trying to wipe everything that may look like a legacy of him off the face of the planet. This is about politics. This is not about be better health care. Of course, Trump's not the only one defending his son. Last night, senior White House advisor and Satan's trophy wife, Kellyanne Conway, <laughs> appeared on Fox News and used a little visual aid to drive home her point. I just want to review, in case you run out of time, um, this is how I see it so far. This is to help all the people at home. What's the conclusion? Collusion? No. We don't have that yet. I see <laughs> illusion and delusion. So just so we're clear, everyone, four words. Conclusion? Collusion? No. Illusion, delusion, yes. I just thought we'd have some fun with words. <laughs> fun! I want to try. Yeah. Got some handy visual aids here. Trump Jr. tried to articulate, but that turned out to incriminate. Remember, it's something even idiot would anticipate, and now he's going to be an inmate. Just thought we'd have some fun with words. Have those, have those sent to the Smithsonian. Are you comfortable yeah. with that huge reduction well, in Medicaid two, funding? Two points. You're right. The opioid uh, issue is... is um, it's, it's tough all over the country, but it's certainly a very tough uh, and difficult situation in, in our state. Yeah. Uh, and we need, to, we need to do all we can to help with that, with that, uh, with that situation, particularly in, the, in cities like Dayton and some of the cities that I get to represent in western and, and north central Ohio. Um, so, you know, that, that's incredible. But to the Medicaid issue, remember, it is, it is not a cut in Medicaid. It is just a, it's a reduction in the rate of growth. So it's still going to grow a lot over the next 10 years. And this, just on, not as fast as people, semantic. just that not as fast as the Obamacare bill wanted it, wanted it to there's grow. There's inflation and, and costs have to grow and, and, and budgeting has to grow, grow with that. I mean, that is semantics. Well, it will be the, cut the, by $834 billion over the next again, decade from the where it would be under...
I'm not. I'm not the left. I'm a journalist, and I'm all telling I'm you saying, what the nonpartisan CBO and all I'm saying says. Is, and they say if you and take there's a lot of question about the CBO score the too. Look at the Forbes off piece on, two weeks ago. It would reduce it by 834 billion dollars. And all I'm asking you uh, and all is I'm the saying folks is that pay your reduce, salary and the crisis Medicaid, that your state is going through right now, Congressman. We've been told a variety of stories. We've gotten, and who knows if we're if we've gotten to the end of the story? We thought we got to the end of the story. I now know the emails. I now know we haven't, because there's news breaking at this moment, Chris. Okay. Fox News can now confirm new, more. Donald Trump Jr., Jared Kushner, Paul Manafort, the lawyer from Russia, the interpreter, this new guy we found out about today, and a mystery person. John Roberts confirms there was an eighth person in that meeting. We don't know. There may have been more, but there was an eighth. Jared Kushner filled out his form, I think it's an F-86, saying who he'd met with and what he'd done. Very important stuff. You can go to prison for messing it up, you know, intentionally. He went back and added 100 names and places. None of these people made it. They, they, they're still not clean. We're still not clean on this, Chris. It's, if there's nothing there, and that's what they tell us, they tell us there's nothing to this and nothing came of it. There's a nothing burger. It wasn't even memorable. Didn't write it down. Didn't tell you about it because it wasn't anything. So I didn't even remember it with a Russian interpreter in the room at Trump Tower. If all of that, why all these lies? Why, why is it lie after lie after lie? If you clean, come on clean. You know, my grandmother used to say when first we practice to, oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. The deception, Chris, is is mind boggling. And there are still people who out there who believe we're making it up. And one day they're going to realize we're not and look around and go, where are we and why are we getting told all these lies? You know, I don't know what to say. I think that that there's a lot of the of truth to everything that you've said. When the president says things that are untrue, should we sit here and ignore it? No, you should report it. You should hold them accountable. Then. <laughs> Where do you go from that to the media is the opposition? Because when I, when I look at the tone and the, the way these attacks are launched, and I, I cited a couple examples for you, or the way that, that whenever there, there's a need for the appearance of balance, NPR will hire uh, you know, some conservative um, who hates the president, or the New York Times will go get Brett Stevens, whose, whose main uh, contribution is that he hates the president. Whenever there's a, the need for the appearance of fairness, the, there's, there's no real effort to, to where, you know, where are the pro-Trump journalists in the mainstream media? They don't exist because the entire mainstream media is against Trump. And that, I think, is, is not just bad for American policy. I think it's bad for journalism. I think, I think a lot of journalists are against lying, against deceit. That's where we are right now. Um, I, I'm against lying and deceit. I think that, that the, the function of the journalist to hold the administration accountable is, is a critical function enshrined in, the, in our Bill of Rights. Um, but when you, when you have a system where the most outrageous attack is what's rewarded with likes on Facebook and f followings on Twitter, you, you're setting yourself columns. up. No, it's not those just opinion, opinion columns. It's reporters. And they audition okay. for each other and they audition for... Now, I omitted the last soundbite. That was New York Observer Ken Kersen. He called out the media. He was dead on. And all you could hear is Seltzer go, well, we don't like lying. No, he's dead on. CNN has no pro-Trump people. MSDNC, no pro-Trump people. ABC, NBC, none. None! You get on anti-Trump conservatives. And that's what you get. It's so bad, even PBS, he nailed PBS. Director says taxpayer fund racially divisive programs. 
She believes everything on freaking PBS is racially divisive. That's what she's saying. Okay. So is Oscar? Are we talking about Oscar? I mean, what the fuck are you talking about? I watch PBS all the time. I don't see anything divisive. Trump blocked me on Twitter and it's costing me my career. This is an actual thing by Rebecca Buckwalter Poza. If you have a hyphen name, you're a douchebag. Most of my writing is about the Trump administration. In fact, my mandate from Pacific Standard is Trump and the law. On Twitter, the bulk of my recent followers' growth and new relationships with others in political legal sphere have come out of responding quickly when the president tweets and engaging the thread of conversations that flow from those tweets. So when President Donald Trump blocked me in June, apparently for suggesting that Russia influenced the outcome of the 2016 election, he harmed me professionally. Even though I knew real Donald Trump was important to my career, it still took me at least a few days to recognize how being blocked by the president on Twitter would affect me as a public intellectual. Oh, you're an intellectual. Anti-Trump is intellectualism now. Okay. Twitter initially became a haven for me, and then she goes on. She's going to sue him because she was blocked, and now she can't do her job destroying him and being a resistance fighter. It just goes to show the left will sue you for everything, but the moment you sue them, you're a racist, homophobe, sexist. Okay. Small Town Ohio editor writes in Washington Post, the media martyr complex is embarrassing. He drops a bomb on them. I can't believe. I I just don't understand how the fuck he got printed. And I had Atkinson talking about the media, but I've done enough. Let's go to our stats of the day. This one cracked me up. Busy Midtown Intersection closes as the city installs Rainbow Crosswalk this weekend. No shit. A gay pride crosswalk on a major intersection. All four crosswalks are rainbows to a cost of 196000 fucking dollars. Not to include things are, you know, repainting it when it gets fucked up. Which you're gonna have to, because if you don't, you're a trans homophobe. You know, I put that, put them both together. So off their site, and this was a Channel 11 in Atlanta. I don't know which NBC, AB. It doesn't matter. They're all liberal, but this is what it says. These are these are the responses. One, I say that money should be spent in schools. This is stuff that could be spent on educating young people instead of trying to make the city look pretty. Let the young people make the city look pretty because they're artists. Let the taxpayer money go to educating young people. Two, I think it's very important to spend the money in this community. Shows pride that it is what it's all about. It's where it started and money well spent, of course. And the third one, these four painted crosswalks, 196K of taxpayer money. Yeah, it seems like you could have done a little better than that. But you know, they're pretty. Another one, how is it paint? How is it $196,000? I support it. I think they're beautiful. They're a work of art. Question. And the cost. Does that bug you? A. Doesn't bug me. Of course, because you're probably gay. Six. I don't see how it could cost that much money. I could see where the money could have been put to better use. Like, how about the potholes? 
This article tries to say it's only 0.3%. Shut up. Melania Trump more popular than Hillary. In the latest poll, she's 51%. Hillary, at the height of her White House stay, was only 49%. In your face, suck it. Illegal immigrants face criminal charges for first offense. This is a program... Trump administration to deter illegal boarding crossings instead of just booting them like Obama did. There's been 565 prosecutions. I'm down with them. Throw them in the fucking jail. When people argued online, I saw, well, they want to save money. Well, I'm going to spend money on illegal. You guys all blah, blah, blah. You know what? We're going to spend money anyway because they're going to come back in and liberal fucking sorry ass cities like Nashville are going to freaking Pay him freebies, so we might as well just incarcerate that ass and get some lice plates out of him. License plates. Top ten Oregon counties for gonorrhea. This article freaked me out. It was on Drudge, and it is crazy how many. I'll just go to the uh, Morrow County is the second highest rate with 160 per 100,000. Multnomah County is number one with 760 cases. It climbed to 1980 in 2016. Nearly 250 per 100,000. I live in the worst county in Tennessee, and it's like 60 cases per 100,000. The worst, because of all the soldiers. File this one under when even a salon contributor thinks it's a bad idea. This is salon. Why is Donna Brazil still emailing me? The tone-deaf DNC has no credibility. This is the article. It may be fun to watch Trump team get implicated in the Russian hacks, but the DNC has its own deplorables. On July 7th, I got an email from Donna Brazil. Well, to be exact, the email was sent to me and everyone else on the Democratic spam list. But the message still felt personal. In fact, it was the second one that I've gotten from Brazil. Each of them asking me for money. It was a stunning sign of how politically toned that the DNC has become, and it proves the party has zero interest in operating with integrity. Instead, the fact that Brazil is emailing me shows the DNC is a cronious and elitist as GOP. To refresh our collective memory, Brazil is a perfect example of DNC insider, click, and complete disrespect for the democratic process. When WikiLeaks dumped a bunch of emails from DNC insiders, it revealed Brazil had passed debate questions. When the emails were first dumped, Brazil denied it. But it's worse than that. She didn't just deny it. She was a righteous rant. I did not receive a question from CNN. She said in a Fox interview, As a Christian woman, I understand persecution, but will not stand here to be persecuted. Stop and think about that for a moment, because that sort of bald-faced lie is exacting that DNC is excited to discover in Trump team stories about Russia. After the first email dump, CNN decided to cut ties with Brazil at time as a CNN commentator. Brazil replaced Debbie Washington Source for design, blah, 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 blah. That's right, the DNC replaced Schultz with Brazil, even though they both were clearly implicated in allegations of rigging a DNC primary. In the months when she was interim DNC chair, Brazil was totally lying about her transgressions until she finally admitted to doing it but stated that she felt no remorse. In November, shortly after the election, she confessed to passing on the questions to Clinton. My conscience as an activist and a strategist is very clear, she said in an interview. So first she lied, then she justified her decision to show bias towards Clinton, but mostly she just blamed the Russians. Yet, as many of us have pointed out, whatever Russia role in the hacks may be, the truth is that the leaked emails showed up the DNC were working behind the scenes to help Clinton. In fact, a class action lawsuit has been filed to investigate DNC, Schultz, and Brazil for lying. If you haven't read it, I'd urge you to take another look at her apology because the piece is really more about Russia being their fault, not hers. It isn't 
It also isn't the argument used by DNC's own lawyer on defense in the class action lawsuit against them. DNC attorneys have claimed Sanders campaign contributors donated already aware that the DNC favored Hillary Clinton. An other argument in the fraud case, they've also argued that the party has no obligation to be impartial to candidates. Basically, they're saying, go fuck yourself. But attached to this was a this week poll. 37% of the DNC says they stand for something. 52% 52% says they just stand for being against Trump. The freaking DNC's got major problems, and that Donna Brazil is still part of that goat rope shows they learn nothing. Because it wasn't Russia that gave Trump the election, it was Bernie Bros not voting. Remember, they walked out of the convention. To a music break, and our one segment today. Huffington Post goes in search of middle America. Sweet Jesus. It's a song called Trust. Let me see y'all dance a little bit. Hey, move your hands or something. Come on.
Gotta read. Translated to Fop Podcast is the best. Only you can do my bonus. And listen. Only you can do my bonus. Wing and listen. Wing and listen. Wing and listen. Poking at the media bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reed. I think that bumper is hilarious. Me trying to rap. God, that's stupid. So Politico put on an article. HuffPo goes out in search of middle America, seeking a new direction. The site launches a 23-city bus tour to listen to America. I just air-quoted. Having made its name as a home for liberals in the blog post of coastal elites, the recently renamed HuffPost is seeking to reinforce its new, less partisan image with a seven-week bus tour, even though when he pulled out of Paris climate, they showed the earth on fire. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go through Middle America and listen and learn what it means to be American today. The site will announce on Thursday, the start, starting in September, a travel party of rotating HuffPost staff members led by Editor-in-Chief Lydia Polgreen will visit more than 20 cities, eschewing the coast for the likes of Fort Wayne, Indiana, Oxford, Mississippi, Odessa, Texas. At each city, the site will host events, roll out planned stories of local media outlets, send out reporters to write about the communities, and collect stories from residents in their own words. It's a unique project for a media organization that made its name its crusading home for progressives, even attaching a note to each story during the election about then-candidate Donald Trump calling him xenophobic, racist, misogynist, yada, yada, yada. They removed it election day, though. Mm, let's give him credit for that. Founder Arania, Ar- Ar- Ariana Huffington, Iranian, what's the difference? Ariana Huffington created HuffPost in 2004 to be a liberal version of Drudge, but Huffington left her namesake last year to fi- find new wealth and wellness startup, leaving the renamed HuffPost in the hands of Polgreen, formerly from New York Times and Chief Executive Jared Cruz, who reshaped the site's identity. This would be a identity-defining identi- identity, identity for HuffPo, if I can get that out of my mouth. We're in, in a moment for determining our own identity and the role we play in the overall news ecosystem and that and what the next iteration of that looks like. And this felt like a great way to go out and report on the story and who we should be in the world. As Twitchy reported earlier, 23 of the most adventurous journalists of HuffPost are planning to take a seven-week bus tour through Middle America to see how people think outside of East Village. And they had this, we're heading on the road this falls, their tweet. tweet. Um, I wonder what HuffPo will discover in their tour across Middle America. Can we hashtag this as start of trend? Basic Becky tweeted. And here it comes. David Burge. It's like the Lyon County Safari except with rednecks. Keep your hands inside the vehicle. Um, after viewing the ceremonial rain dance, make sure to visit the gift shop for genuine, authentic style Middle America souvenirs. You need Scoutman Bawana, me talk native tongue, keep you safe. <laughs> and it went on and on and on. It was friggin' hilarious. So it spurred me to go over and they have this big picture of like a farm, listen to America, Hofpo ro- road trip with the sun rising in the east. 
We're heading on the road this fall. Learn more. According to Politico, the traveling party wasn't expected to leave until September, but thanks to the hashtag, hashtag HuffPo in the heartland, photos and video already are being posted of what we can only assume is the advanced team scouting for areas with electric car charging stations and Wi-Fi, the story goes. We want to know what does it mean to be American today. To find out, we're hitting the road this fall to interview people about their hopes, dreams, fears, and definitions of being American in quotes because our version is definitely not theirs by converting a tour bus into a mobile video studio we'll be capturing conversation with people of all ages and backgrounds our goal moving multimedia storytelling that showcases what we share as americans rather than what divide us why we are doing this Trust in the media is bottomed out. We hope to rebuild some of that and learn from it by listening to the public and elevating their stories through our massive distribution network. How we're making it happen. We will travel the old-fashioned way via bus the to 20-plus states to hear from some of the underheard, diverse Americans who make up communities that form much of our nation. Then they slip in this park. And by working on the ground with community leaders, nonprofits, educational institutions, local businesses, and others, we'll make sure people know we're there to listen, which means we're only going to talk to liberal fuckers. Guarantee every one of this is a Planned Parenthood or some lady that can't get an abortion. That's the stories we'll get. Not on the bus tour? Don't worry. We'll be announcing ways to participate online in the coming weeks. And they show everywhere they're going. Um... 20 plus states during the seven week tour from our edit. Let's just go to the set, the states. I put it on the back. St. Louis, Little Rock, Oxford, Mississippi, Memphis, Tennessee, all African Americans, liberal city, Birmingham, Fort Benning, Georgia, Asheville, North Carolina, Charleston, West Virginia, where I've actually been. I had a store there. Pittsburgh, Akron, Detroit, which is a liberal city. Fort Wayne, liberal city. Milwaukee, liberal city. Des Moines, Kansas City, liberal city. And Lincoln, Nebraska. That's the tour. So the editor in charge of this, Lydia, Lydia, whatever, some dude. Dear readers, I am so pleased to announce Listen to America, a hugely ambitious cross-country project we're undertaking at HuffPo to understand what's on the minds of America and what it means to be American in 2017. Consider this an invitation to our journey. For journalists, listening is more important than ever. Why? First, trust is news media is an all-time low. We want to address that head-on and build trust in the work we do by visiting communities that are largely ignored by the national media. We'll listen to what's most important to them and help tell their stories to the vast HuffPo audience. All the liberals who will just make fun of all the rednecks. Second, politician division between, political division between us seems starker than ever, but at HuffPo we believe there's still so much that unites us as citizens. We aim to discover and highlight all that and show what Americans have in common. As we build, as we visit 23 states, we'll use our bus built out as a mobile video studio to listen and collect hundreds if not thousands of voices and we'll share many of them along the way we'll also create ways for you to make your voice heard too even if we're not coming to your hometown third is journalists being good listeners and getting out of our out of our own way are at the core of our practice oh are you sure with all this shit with cnn and jim acosta okay Listen to America as an opportunity to practice this skill over and over and discover great stories out there in the field where they live. 
We're popping our own bubbles in more than one way. Join us. The bus hits the road on September 12th at St. Louis. Check our map to see if we're coming to your town and shoot us any tips or thoughts at listening at HuffPost.com. We're here. Best, Lydia Poil Green. So, as you can expect, conservative Twitter had fun with this one. Typhoid Tiff. I wonder what HuffPo will discover on the tour across Midwest. Can we hashtag this to start a trend? Here it comes. Huffo in the heartland. Report saw a truck with a gun rack literally shaking. <laughs> Lizzie Lou tried to merge in traffic. Driver motionless to go ahead. Patriotic eat patriarchy even on the highways. Ghost of D. That random stranger told me to have a nice day. I blew my rape whistle in their face. Cindy E. While entering a store, a man stopped to hold the door for me, feeling certain he was a rapist. I called the cops. Alan in Omaha. A big, burly, bulgy man tipped his cap, called me ma'am. I'm literally shaking. Igor, cashier at Walmart, smiled at me and said, have a nice day. That's a dog whistle signal for white privilege. And that's, that's probably true. N-word Snowden. Uneducated waitress with internalized misogyny keeps calling me sweetie. I'm literally shaking. Philip Snyder, everyone keeps saying hello to me and they make eye contact and smile. I still haven't discerned what they want. Hezrick Rats, all these people have guns. I bet the gun violence is worse here than in Chicago. Oregon Muse, asked a farmer if he knew any gays and he said yes. Everybody seems to be pretty happy around these parts. <laughs> Shadow B. Auntie. Jonathan Cohn's assistant fetches his lunch and he shows a girl from uh, Sex in the City. They had one, what is this? And it's a jello salad with fruit in it. Cranky Gordon, what abomination is this? And he has a picture of ambrosia salad. Boo Musket, oh, what is this fancy deli called? Subway. Texas guy, there's a strange place, strange place called Dairy Queen. Are women reduced to milk cares? Literally the handmaiden's tail. And that's probably what they're going to say. Arthur Conan Dole, they eat this food called grits. I don't know what it is, but it's white and I'm pretty sure it's racist. <laughs> Pro- proof the handmaiden's tail is real in the Midwest. They sell red robes at Walmart for only $14.99. Another guy, they eat this food, okay, that's a repeat, uh, breaking, most of their homes don't have wheels, I thought that wasn't right, hey look, a gender neutral restroom, and it's an outhouse, uh, many people in these area drink water from holes in the ground at a pump at the bottom, is that safe? Called the police on a father and let his children drink water right out of a garden hose, I'm literally shaking, fuzzy chump. I saw so many houses with piles of murdered trees next to them, I cried for days. Lake Bum, there's a game they call Cornhole, and you won't believe what it's about. It is with great relief we can tell you that the Cincinnati Panera Bread has Wi-Fi. Thank God, these poor people. Tried to order a venti half-calf soy mocha latte. Diner only serves coffee. It's like visiting an undeveloped nation. Went to dinner and ordered a non-GMO gluten-free pancake. This is what they served me. An empty plate. <laughs> and the one I love. There's two two last ones. Uh, where can I plug my car? And a pickup truck was flying old gold glory in the back. 
He's definitely singling Russia. Um, oh, I got to get this one in too. Have any deep fried kale? No. Their corn looks strange and short based on a true story. And my pal from a DC area is, of course, tobacco. Um, and that's, that's it. I won't, I won't keep going down. It's, it's, it's pretty freaking funny because I, I, I just, I, I think this is the dumbest stunt ever done. Listen, I, here's my theory on it. You could give them an A for effort because maybe they're trying to do this, but they're not going to do it. They're a liberal website. They're going to talk to liberal people. The whole end result's going to be there's not enough abortion clinics. Uh, there's a bunch of racism. They're going to find just progressives, and they're going to paint America as a bunch of goddamn racist xenophobes, the patriarchy, and everything we saw in 2016. Secondly... Why do you have to go see America? Why? And by now, I'm 50 years old. I've been to every goddamn state except for Nebraska, Vermont, Rhode Island. And uh, that's it. I've been to every state. I see everybody's the same and everybody's a little different. But America's diverse. All you talk about is diversity of gayness, color, and religion only Muslim Christians bad. By the time I was 18, I'd been all over the goddamn country and I realized every state was different. Everybody had their different customs. Some people were more religious, some were less. There were a lot of gays here. There were a lot of black people there. There was a lot of this. There was a lot of that. But I didn't judge where they lived. That's where they wanted to live. But if you go from east to west and north to south and diagonal, we're different. That's why we have different dialects, different way we speak. There's a southern drawl. There's whatever they do in Boston. I was said to have a accent coming from Oregon. You're not going to fix the bubble, number three, by visiting it once. You hate middle America. You hate the flyover states. Thus, me doing a podcast. You don't give a shit about us. Chuck Toad and company go back to educated and uneducated. You will scoff, look off your nose at us, and think that New York City is the center of the universe. Been in New York City. Didn't like it. Going to stick another one in here really good. Um, the Federalist. The insufferable hypocrisy of Morning Joe. After famously leaving the Democratic Party, Ronald Reagan went on a national television in 1964 to deliver a brilliant distillation of his views on limited government and individual liberty, a time for choosing. Reagan gave a speech, though, he knew it would be toxic among his peers and possibly hurt a nascent political career to help long-shot candidate Barry Goldwater. Joe Scarborough famously left the Republican Party in 2017 by going on CBS The Late Show, where he... And host Stephen Colbert teed up some pre-planned questions that allowed Morning Joe to the delight of a crowd of applause automatons who couldn't tell the difference between sanctimony and bravery to indulge in some self-aggrandizement. Rangel went to bed that night of his pre-taped speech, hoping it hadn't let Barry down. Joe went to bed that night of his pre-taped show, believing the American enjoyed his cringe-inducing third-rate MOR protest song. It's one of those great tragedies of my political life that Democrats get all the great musicians, the lead singer and guitarist for the band, 
Scarborough had recently explained. Well, fortunately, Joe will have the chance to reverse his historic injustice when he finally registers as a Democrat. You have to ask yourself what exactly is the Republican Party willing to do, Scarborough told a nodding Colbert. How far are they willing to go? How much of the country and our values are they willing to sell out? This is a rhetorical question, no doubt. Still, the answer is that politicians have been selling out our values for many years. One just hopes that the average Republican has the decency to sell us out for more than a couple of weeks at a rock star fantasy camp. Yet, considering all this grandstanding about leaving the Republican Party, and no doubt many in GOP begged him to stay, an onlooker might have been under the impression that the great tragedy of Scarborough's political life was sucking up to Donald Trump and helping legitimize his candidacy last year. Reagan, Scarborough, who I found out today is a visiting fellow of the Harvard Institute of Politics at Harvard Kennedy School of Government, claimed not so long ago that Trump possessed Reagan-esque qualities. That's Trump at his very best, Scarborough told his audience after the soon-to-be-president refused to participate in a Fox News debate. He noted the 40th president, populist billionaire, had shown strength in time of weakness. It wouldn't be the first, last time he made the comparison before a symbiotic relationship took the convenient WWE good guy villain turn, rating versus fake news. Trump was equally grateful for the fawning attention he received from his pal. I watched your show this morning. Trump was taped telling Joe and that idiot Mika, <clears throat> you have me almost as a legendary figure. I like that. Nothing too hard, Mika. Nice, beautiful question, Mika. This will make us all look good. Exactly, said morning Joe. Like most of the media, when Trump had won the primary and it was no longer useful propping him up, the duo turned on Trump. Nowadays, Scarborough demands a Republican legislator, most of whom, it must be noted, have not only done less to ensure Trump's presidency, but are also less inclined to embrace Trumpian economics than Scarborough helped overturn an election. Otherwise, it will question their patriotism, questioned. Then again, Scarborough recently admitted that Russia wasn't the only reason for his stunt. He really upset that Republicans have been trying to pass a tepid Obamacare repeal legislation because it's heartless. I think maybe the last straw for me actually wasn't Russia, it was the health care bill, Scarborough said in a National Archive event this week. That kicks 25 million people off their health insurance and then they turn around and give tax cut to the richest 1%. That's a Democrat statement if you've ever heard one. This is, of course, a standard liberal talking point used in one form or another to attack virtually any Republican legislative effort to cut taxes or slow future spending. There's nothing wrong with this line of attack per se, but if you use it, you should also have the decency to stop pretending you're Republican or conservative. All iterations of Republican health care reform eliminate coercive mandates and deal with future spending to some extent. Scarborough knows this because it's not much different from the cuts he consistently voted for when he was in Congress, including a cut to Medicare, including tax cut for the rich, and he spends most of his show talking about when I cut it with Newt. Now, like me, you may never have been a member of a political party, though I imagine if you cared enough to join one, you'd probably stick around... I had a page for you, sorry folks. Stick around to help save it from nefarious fifth columnist. And if you believe that your political party embodied the ideals that help make the lives of your fellow Americans better and freer, you might feel a responsibility to stick around to try and save it. Or perhaps your views evolved. Then you might stop casting yourself as the valiant defender of a party you no longer share values with. Then again, you probably don't care about ratings. And this is why some people have morning cable talk shows and the others have principles. You know, the fact of the matter is morning Joe ratings. Joe 
and company run a show where they think they're the smartest people on the TV. But the problem is, when you break down the numbers, um, I got the wrong one, sorry. New Day cleans their plate. Um, here, let's just do it this way. New Day cleans their plate. But when they turned on them, the ratings went up. And basically, an article from The Blaze, which I know most people won't like, although many say political discourse reached a new low when the feud between the host of Morning Joe and Trump fired up, the ratings for the show reached a new high. Here's the article for the new high. I got to tweet through shit. Um, this was on Newsweek, a liberal one. It drew more than 400,000 viewers. It was, uh, sorry, 47,000 more viewers than Fox and Friends, but Fox and Friends scores 1.5 million viewers every morning. The average morning Joe audience is 350,000 people, mostly Washingtonians watch it. So Morning Joe, a show that used to be the left and right, one of the best on the network, drew about 750 back when I watched it, which was pretty decent. They beat CNN, has gone on the cellar. So they suck up to Trump. Trump tells them, go fuck themselves. He starts fucking Mika and now all of a sudden he's no longer a Republican. Joe Scarborough hasn't been a Republican since 2013. That's when he stopped being a Republican and he and Minka started doing promotional gigs for the Obama administration. And if you think I'm full of shit, I'm not. That's what they did. <laughs> Folks, he's a hypocrite. He never was a Republican. He's a piece of shit. The show sucks. And all of this, just like Russia, 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 is for ratings. A music break and news, social, media, nuggets.
Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. Oh, 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 oh,
We'll start Military Corner by honoring the Marines who died on the C-130 plane crash last week. From the 2nd Marine Raider Battalion, Staff Sergeant Robert H. Cox, 28. Staff Sergeant William Kundrat, 33. Sergeant Chad Jensen, 25. Sergeant Talon Leach, 27. Hospital Corpsman 2nd Class Ryan Laurie, 30. Sergeant Joseph Murray, 26. Sergeant Dietrich Scheiman, 26. From the Marine Aerial Refueler Transport Squadron, 452. Corporal Daniel Baldosser. Corporal Colin J. Schaff, 22. Sergeant Joseph Joshua M. Snowden, 31. Sergeant Owen Lennon, 26. Sergeant Julian M. Kavan, 31. Major Kane Michael Gayote, 41. Captain Sean E. Elliott, 30. Gunnery Sergeant Mark A. Hopkins, 34. Gunnery Sergeant Brendan C. Johnson, 45. See you on the LZ. To other military news, Army Mole's creating new pay grade for senior NCOs. For those that don't know, you, you go to E9, that's it. But if you're a battalion sergeant major, battalion staff sergeant major, which means you work in a staff shop, you're not in charge, or your brigade, division, corps, army, you don't get paid anymore. There's no extra money. Whereas generals go through one, two, three, four each time they get a pay raise. So they're talk, talking about making an E10 and an E11, which I'm assuming would be for uh, each level that you go up, like division and then corps. So it'd be like brigade, battalion, brigade, and then corps above it, or division and corps would be more. So um, it's, it's, I think it's a good idea. I think they deserve the money. They surely do. Gonna play you a sound bite now as we go into our crazy, and on the other side, the crazy music will start, and I'll start talking about Evergreen College. Ho ho! These racist teachers have got to go, hey hey! Ho ho! These racist teachers have got to go, hey hey! Teachers have got to go, hey hey! Ho ho! These racist teachers have got to go, hey hey! Ho ho! Oh, 
can speak a lot of words. My mama didn't raise no food. Stop giggling and laughing every time we say something. Control it. Try. Well, I, I heard her say that at 11 o'clock this morning. She shouldn't have to be here at 5.30 still telling you to stop laughing. It's not an accident that all of our administration is white. Right. It's not an accident. That shit is systematic as fuck. So why we sit up in here? I said, I'm tired of white people talking about what black and brown people need. You don't know. I'm just trying to respond. I'm letting you know. Away. For you, you're like, come on. You're not. No, 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 no. You're not oppressed. Okay, sis. I was at the ring and I read that email and everything that was pretty much described in that email was 100% wrong. And it was. You better just say that you're sorry and yeah, you lied. Because there was some sort of bullshit. Asking you one more time, I'm giving you a chance. Was the email, was the information in that email factual? Yes or no? No! Yes or no? Thank you! No! It was not factual. Alleges, uh, allegations. Sorry. Excuse me. Get the camera on her. No, fuck you, George. We don't want to hear a goddamn thing you have to say. You talk about fucking No, you shut the fuck up. No, no. I think what's smart is not to like. I think what's smart is not to tone for these people because people are angry, and so what matters is what they're saying, not how they're saying it. So make it seem like you have to simplify it for us. We're not simpletons. We're adults. Right. And so I'm, I'm telling you, you're speaking to your ancestors. All right? We've been here before you. We built these cities. Right. We've had civilization way before you ever had. Right. Coming out your caves. Okay? So, you have the fucking nerve to fucking dehumanize like R and me have you. What's in this whole? And, and all, and like, mostly all the baddies do. 
crazy mu- music on the backside. That is an actual college. A recent Black Power student takeover at Evergreen State College in May shocked and appalled many Americans. Students were seen shouting Black Power inches away from a disoriented-looking white professor's face while ironically later on claiming whiteness is the most violent system to ever breathe. If you caught in the background, my favorite was, do any of you black students need water? Only black students. The Gateway Pundit learned that the president of Evergreen State College in Washington, George S. Bridges, stated that he is grateful for the passion and courage of black power students who can be seen in footage harassing white professors attempting to shut down classes. In the footage, the students were shouting expletives at white staff members who claimed such as, these white-ass faculty members need to be holding all these people accountable. Protests later claimed the footage was stolen by white supremacists and edited to expose and ridicule students and staff. Yeah, fake news. Got it. Now this, at a recent Board of Trustees meeting, a white student complained that she was called a racist and harassed because she wanted to focus on her education. I'm going to play the white student. So, I don't think this was edited. Her mouth was not edited by white supremacists, but I'm sure that she said this. She is now a white supremacist at Evergreen College. This school seems to focus so much on race that is actually becoming more racist. Because I choose not to focus on race, I have actually been labeled a racist and a white supremacist. I've been told several times that I'm not allowed to speak because I'm white. I feel like people are becoming more violent. The campus is becoming more of an unsafe place. Mackenzie Kiger. <laughs> My name is Mackenzie, um, and I'm a current student at Evergreen. Um, my 
My biggest concerns with directly what's been happening in this past spring um, are the lack of viewpoint diversity, and which is one of my biggest concerns. That if you have any sort of offer any sort of alternative viewpoint, um, which I do have, and you're kind of the enemy. Um, I don't agree with the behavior that has been shown on the campus. And unlike what Ann Fischel has said, I think it is important to focus on the way this was handled. I totally understand that people are upset, but I don't think this was handled in the right way at all. Um, and this behavior was has actually been encouraged. And because of this, I feel like people are becoming more violent and the campus is becoming more of an unsafe place. Um, I have been to several meetings to speak. I've been told several times that I'm not allowed to speak because I'm white. Um, this school seems to focus so much on race that is actually becoming more racist in a different sort of way. And because I say that, I have, because I choose not to focus on race, I've actually been labeled a racist and a white supremacist. And if anyone took the time to actually know me, it's not true at all. Um, but that's what I've been labeled as. Um, one of my, another issue I have is with the social contract, which people read when they choose to come here, and they agree to it by coming here. Um, there have been so many violations to the social contract in the events that have happened, and it has been completely disregarded. And instead of actually doing something about the fact that it's been violated, we're changing it. And the, it's a small group working on this with only one viewpoint and not getting alternative viewpoints to help out with revising the social contract. And they're going to change it uh, or revise it, and a lot of people may not agree with that, people who have already agreed to the one that is in that we have currently, and um, I don't think I agree with that. Um, I have also talked to several legislators and people who work for Senator Patton, and it seems like they don't have a clear understanding of what's going on as well. And from what I have heard from them, it would seem as though um, George Bridges may not be completely truthful with what's going on here in regards to safety. Um, because Your time's up. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, that, that's fucking horrible. But it's more than just evergreen. That is our society. Barack Obama brought it to the forefront. Black power is all over the place. And I'm not by any means saying all black people are like this. This is what all black people are on college campuses. It is out of control. And it goes with the segment we did last. Why in the fuck would I send my kid to school, spend $30,000 a year at a decent college with room and board, for them to be indoctrinated to hate themselves because of some liberal cliche of white privilege? Hmm. To the crazy. 
Remember when Marvel turned Senator Gillibrand to the Senator of Steel in honor of her tireless fight against campus sexual assault? Remember when Gillibrand invited her guest to the State of the Union, Emily Skolkowitz, the Columbia University student, vowed to carry a mattress around campus and earn college credit while doing it until the student she accused of rape was expelled? And the time United States Ambassador to the United Nations, Samantha Power, lauded Skolkowitz, true change is possible? We've lost track of Mattress Girl, but the man she accused of rape, Paul Nussinger, just settled with the university for an undisclosed amount. man accused by Mattress Girl settled his lawsuit. He filed a lawsuit because it was all bullshit and his name was banning about the whole world in 35 countries. He was found not guilty and as Amy said, a little due process would go a long way. Thank you very much. To Hollywood, listen to this shit. Emmy nominations map the fractured American psyche. We are a nation hurling toward a dark dystopian future in which robots robots fulfill an endless need to be entertained and women are enslaved as reproductive machines. Or we are going to be just fine despite racial tensions, fat shaming, alien invasion, or government conspiracy because family, love, and loyalty, friendship will always win the day. The Emmy nominations mean many things to many people, but this year with an unprecedented number of popular new shows occupying bursts in categories outstanding drama and comedy, they offer a surprisingly sharp guide to the fractured American psyche. Really? We have over 300 channels on DirecTV. It has nothing to do with Trump, you jackasses. If we all agreed to watch the same show, we wouldn't have over 300 freaking channels. Plus Netflix, Amazon, Hulu. Shut up. No safe spaces. Adam Carolla and Ben Shapiro set to testify on free speech in front of Congress. Adam Carolla is starring in a new film, No Safe Spaces, and twitchy favorite Ben Shapiro will testify at a House subcommittee hearing July 27th to discuss the issue of free speech or lack thereof on American college campuses. Uh, basically, they're going to cover about all the crazy shit we just saw and how scary it is. And I was going to play the Corolla soundbite for his new movie, but go watch it. But from his site, I grabbed this. Hollywood won't make this film. That's why we want to make it. With that, uh, and we want you to join us as Adam and Dennis visit campus across the country during the production of No Safe Spaces. Come along on a road trip where we'll include trigger warnings, real social justice warriors, and maybe even some tailgating. And I, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I donated twenty to the crowdsourcing for this. This, this is good. We need this movie because our colleges are just rat fucked. Putnam say what? Nine-year-old muzzled at Lansing Council meeting. I cried because I was sad. I couldn't talk about the reason I had had for Ormond Park not to be saved. But a nine-year-old went to this. Uh, this is in uh, Lansing City, and they told her to go get fucked and didn't let her speak. That's a liberal town. That's a real handmaiden's tale. Didn't see CNN cover it. 20 million mosquitoes to hit Fresno. That's a good thing, really. These are done by Apple, and this is scary as shit. But they've injected them with a bacteria filled that will make them not want to mate. Or No, it's not that. Sorry, I read it wrong. It'll end up not making them want to mate because they get non-hatching eggs. So it's going to kill mosquitoes. Me and my wife are talking about this. Apple's doing it. Not Apple, but uh, Google is doing this. What is that going to do to birds? 
Birds eat mosquitoes. Other animals eat mosquitoes. Now you're taking away the mosquitoes. If a Republican did it, or if the NRA did it, or I don't know, a conservative, if, if, if frickin' Hobby Lobby released 20 million genetically altered mosquitoes to kill off mosquitoes, this would be wrong. That's all I'm saying. Mucky Pup. Dog owner stunned after a golden retriever gave birth to green puppy. And it's something about the amniotic fluid in the mother's placenta. And this is like one in a million that they, they do this. But this is in Britain. And you see all these little golden retriever pups and there's this one green one. It's kind of weird. This is also weird. We want this bear alive. Thousands rally to save grizzlies that... A grizzly that's chased humans. 4,000 signatures collected urging officials not to resort to killing the grizzly despite aggressive behavior. This thing has pushed uh, a baby stroller, attacked a a woman, uh, attacked a dude, charged hikers. And these people up there doing a... In Alberta, Canada, they, they don't want to kill. Don Sorana defend the bear's recent aggressive behavior. If she wanted to kill people and dogs, she could have killed people and dogs. We want this bear alive. We want this bear protected. They're even wearing t-shirts. Sweet God. In the justice file, judge sentenced San Jose cat killer to the max. After hearing emotional pleas from pet owners about the slain animals, Judge Friday sends a San Jose man who pled guilty to torturing and killing more than 16 cats. Robert Farmer. He's a uh, required registered sex offender, so instead of being a sex offender now, he goes and kills cat. Sick fuck. What is wrong with you? We had somebody that, like, in our neighborhood, they used to kill, take all the cats and turn them into uh, kill shelters. I did not like them. <clears throat> I think they got a couple of ours. Seventeen Magazine praises sick Selena Gomez bad liar video. Seventeen Magazine praised Selena Gomez's new bad liar music video, yet poorly masked pedophiliac theme were at the heart of the music video plot, which might prove disturbing for Seventeen's target audience, minors. Music artist and actress Selena Gomez, who first found fame on kids' show like Barney and Friends and Wizard of Waverly Place, now records top 50 songs like Hands to Myself, We Don't Talk Anymore. She also performed at the Victoria's Secret Fashion Show. The 24-year-old star has released yet another decidedly adult music video for her song Bad Liar, and this video certainly is something young teens or anyone taste should view. The video plot features Gomez as a young high school girl with a crush on her female gym teacher. That's where I stopped. But somehow that's okay. Actual Out Magazine said adorable pervy. Gomez created the queer high school drama we so desperately needed in these troubling times. Why is everything a troubling time for the left? Jesus. G-many Christmas. Alt-Left Insanity, Spider-Man's real power is white privilege. You knew it was coming. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a white guy can. Fills a film with diverse guys. Skin so light, it'll blind your eyes. Oh no, here comes white Spider-Man. That's what the person did. One of the hallmarks of Alt-Left is that nothing ever satisfies them. You could be 100% left-wing in your politics and make a minor gaffe and they will throw you under the bus. It's kind of extreme fascism. That eventually destroys everything and everyone except the last person of indetermined gen- gender last left standing. Formerly known as the last man standing, but we're not supposed to use that phrase. Even the show with the same name got canceled. 
<laughs> Diversity is a big part of this. You can never be diverse enough unless you leave out all the white people. Try to update a white guy superhero movie franchise by calling all-inclusive and you still get called out for leaving the white guy superhero white. That's what liberal complain about white people taking Asian roles, African-American characters. None of that is allowed. Heck, even diehard lefty Alec Baldwin, an amazing actor despite his politics, gets attacked for playing a blind character. The left is a bull Connor of 2017 policies uh, <clears throat> policing race mixing by forcing Hollywood to keep white people away from the people of color. Witness another de- demented article from Fusion, soon to be called Splinter, and a name reminiscent of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Fusion Splinter wrote a piece headline, Spider-Man director brags about his movie's diversity, but why is his Spider-Man still white? Here's a money quote from it. With a supporting cast that consists of biracial women, a late, late Latinx, what, I don't know what that means, actor, as well as a Filipinx actor, Spider-Man homecoming diversity better reflects reality than most other superheroes, but they still are pissed because they didn't have, they had a white Spider-Man. <clears throat> it's a freaking comic. It's a fucking comic. It's not real. This one is uh, from a right-wing side. Is Beyonce's Virgin Mary, Mary imagery offering a biting critique of white Western Christianity. Beyonce recently posted a photo of her Instagram page of her holding her new twins, a boy named Sir and a girl named Rumi. Sir. Really. That's what you went with. Sir and Rumi. Whatever. In a similar veil and bikini getup to how she posed when she was pregnant, the left finds this imagery pregnant with politi- political and religious messages. The Washington Post published an overwrought analyst on Friday by Katie Edwards, working for the University of Sheffield Institute for Interdisciplinary Biblical Studies in England. What the hell is that? The Post tweet promised to look at how Beyonce's Virgin Mary imagery challenges racist, religious, and sexual stereotypes. Her reappropriation of Virgin Mary iconography offers a biting critique. Really? Beyonce's reappropriation of Virgin Mary iconography offers a binding critique of the supreme exemplar of feminine whiteness and the ideology that constructs and perpetuates it. At a moment when white supremacy is echoed in the America First slogan of President Trump, Beyonce simultaneously dislodged white from its central place religion iconography and Trump from his recent monopoly of press headlines. Really? I didn't even know about this till I stumbled across this article. Because I don't follow her Instagram. Sweet God. Wow. The reason this mom won't let her son accept a perfect attendance award. This, I was so excited for. When I saw this, I was like, yes. No participation trophies. Because I thought I was going to read. I was going to read. He's supposed to be at school. But instead, in this family, you're not shamed for ill health, vulnerability, or weakness. In this house, you're not encouraged to spread germs when you're not well. In this house, we looked after ourselves and the weakest among us. Really? Really? What the hell? And lastly, before our lighter fare, after a nasty woman's shirt campaign took off, comedian Santa Mantha B reached her one million fundraising mark for Planned Parenthood on Friday. She tweeted, if you want to be one who puts us over one million goal, order a nasty woman tea ASAP. We're only 10,000 away. 
So once again, boys and girls, if Samantha B can sell enough shirts to raise one million for Planned Parenthood, four hundred and ninety-nine other liberals need to get out and get their goddamn million, and let's take that five hundred million and put it into real health care. To our lighter fare. And I love the UFC, but I don't know what they bought you. Tell me what the UFC bought you. Shut the fuck up, they ain't bought you shit, bitch. Yeah, we gonna talk about this pussy. You punk, you faggot, you hoe. Oh, you're dragging it on me. Sit down and shut the fuck up. Shut up. Yeah, that was Floyd Mayweather, and he probably shouldn't have done that because the world went crazy. I got this off TMZ Sports. Yeah. Sports. I know they had a sports. LGBT group fires back after gay slur. Your excuse is BS. An LGTB group is firing back at Floyd Mayweather for using a homophobic slur in Friday press conference in London, saying his reason being used the word is complete BS. Floyd ripped into Conor McGregor at the final stop of the Superfights World Tour, calling him a string of names, including a gay slur, which they wouldn't even print, because it's fucking horrible. Hudson Taylor, executive director of Athlete Ally, an org that promotes... LGBTQ cosine of four acceptance of sports took notice and denounced Floyd's action. Athletes, allies, strongly condemns a homophobic slur used by Floyd Mayweather. Mayweather. The response given by Mayweather's representative is equally troubling, and Mayweather truly has the utmost respect for the LGBTQ cosine of four community. He wouldn't resort to using slurs that perpetuate anti-LGBTQ cosine of four stigma and hate. Yeah. Hmm. Once again, growing up, fag was used just like the British term was a cigarette. And here, it was just, you're a loser, a term of a dermot, dearman. It never was gay. Now we're in the world police world. You say a fag, you might as well go out and shoot a panda in a parking lot. Just shoot the panda. Wendy's, God, wow. Denny's may well be the new troll master. Not sure why the well-known American Family Restaurant decided to pick a fight with IHOP, but we're super glad they did, this article says. It's one of the few reasons Twitter is just an angry dogabah filled with bizarre water creatures waiting to eat us. Denny's with some kind of weird-ass cowboy-looking avatar thing. Howdy, I'm the International Pancake Sheriff, and I have no jurisdiction here. IHOP, we are the pancake OG and will be respected as such. Uh, wait, what's OG mean? The other one, spoken like second place. Ouch. Denny's again. Howdy, I'm the international. Pancakes are for the people. Denny's for president. I mean, this went on forever. Finally, somebody tweeted respect. I mean, really? Pancake stores or restaurants talking shit to each other on Twitter. Trolling each other. What is wrong with the world we live in, folks? What is wrong with it? Grow the hell up. I had one from uh, Yusha Smith. I'm going to save for the next show, and I'm just going to close this on culture and politics. I'm done pretending men are safe. 
Even My Sons by Jody Allard. I have two sons. They are strong and compassionate. The kind of boys other parents are glad to meet when their daughters bring them home for dinner. They are good boys in the way good boys are. But they are not safe boys. I'm starting to believe there's no such thing. I wrote an essay in Washington Post last year. No shit. You know where this is going now. During the height of the Brock Turner case about my sons and rape culture. I didn't think it would be controversial when I wrote it. I was sure most parents grappled with raising sons in the midst of a rape culture. You know, I raised my son not to rape people, so we didn't have a problem with that. Hmm. Interesting. The struggle I wrote about was universal, I thought, but I was wrong. My essay went semi-viral, and for the first time, my sons encountered my words about them on their friends' phones or teachers' computers and even overheard them discussed by strangers on a crowded metro bus. It was one thing to agree to be written about in a relative obscurity and quite another thing to have my words intrude on their daily lives. One of my sons was hurt by my words, although he never told me so. He doesn't understand why I lumped him and his brother together in my essay. He sees himself as a good one, the one who is sensitive and thoughtful and who listens instead of reacts. He doesn't understand that even quite quiet misogyny is misogyny and that not all sexes sound like Twitter trolls. He's angry at me now, although he won't admit that either, and his anger led to conservative website and YouTube channels, places where he can surround himself with righteous indignation against feminists and tell himself it's ungrateful women like me who are the problem. I teeter frequently between supporting my son and educating him. Is it my job as his mother to ensure he feels safe emotionally no matter what violence he spews? Is it my job as his mother to steer educate no matter how much that education challenges his view of himself? I think it's both, but the balance between the two has proven impossible to pinpoint. When I hear his voice become defensive, I back off a question whether I'm doing him any favors by allowing his perception of himself to go unchallenged. When I confront him with his own sexism, I question whether I'm pushing too hard and leaving him without an emotional safe space in his home. As a single mother, I sometimes wonder where the real problem is that my sons have no role models the type of men I hope they become. But when I look around at the men I know, I'm not sure a male partner would fill that hole. Where are, where are these men who are enlightened about, but not arrogant? Who are feminists without self-congratulations? If my son needs role models, they may have to become their own. I joined Bumble recently after a six-plus-year break from dating. I'm not overly interested in dating in the first place, but I'm starved for adult conversations, so dating felt like a necessary evil. Bumble, as I explained to my married friends, is like the feminist Tinder. Women have to initiate contact with men, so at least there's no inbox full of dick pics every day. The feminists are not. The men are no different from the men anywhere else. I quickly felt deflated. If the feminist men, the men who proudly declare their progressive politics and their fight for equality, aren't safe, then what man is? No man, I fear. I know I'm not supposed to cast an entire sex with a single paintbrush. Not all men, I'm sure. Some readers are thinking and preparing to type or tweet. But if it's impossible for a white person to grow up without adopting racist ideas simply because of the environment in which they live, how can I expect men not to subconsciously absorb at least some degree of sexism? White people aren't safe, and men aren't safe, no matter how much I like to assure myself that these things aren't true. My sons won't rape unconscious women behind a dumpster, and neither will most of the progressive men I know. So conservative men will? Is that what you're saying? I am a independent conservative. I don't rape people behind dumpsters. Isn't that stereotypically wrong? 
But what all these men share in common, even my sons, is a relentless questioning and disbelief of female experience. I do not want to prove my pain or provide enough evidence to convince anyone that my trauma is merited. I'm through wasting my time on people who are more interested in ideas and feelings, and I'm through pretending these people, these men are safe. I love my sons, and I love some individual men. It pains me to say that I don't feel mostly safe with them, and perhaps never have with a man. But it needs to be said, because far too often we are afraid to say it. This is not a reflection of something broken or damaged in me. It is a reflection of the system we build and our boys absorb. Those little boys grow into men who know the value of women, the value that's been ascribed to us by a broken system it keeps out from them in a million tiny toxic ways. Oh my God, give her an Emmy. I don't know what the balance is between supporting these men and educating them, but I know the toll it takes on me to try. I'm too valuable and too worthy to waste my time on men who are not my flesh and blood. But as my boys grow into men, I wonder whether I've done enough to combat the message they hear from everyone but me. They are good boys, and maybe that's the best they can be in the system we've created for them. Jody Allard is a former techie turned freelance writing living in Seattle. She can be reached through her website on Twitter or via Facebook page or at the local gay bar. Annie. I'm not an expert on all this, but this sounds a bit borderline personality disorder. I hope she finds peace. I'm not an expert either, but maybe someone who has previously written that one of her boys is suicidal shouldn't be publicly shaming him in her essays, another said. Whoa, that completely supports the cluster B hypothesis. Those people drive others to suicide. Nathaniel Dukhafev, she should get some counseling before she permanently impacts her sons. It's a little late for that. She created Milo 2.0, somebody said. You're an idiot, Annie. She makes some profound points, and you remain oblivious to most of them. And here comes all the people coming in saying, blah, 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 blah. Men are bad. They're all pigs. You know, in my world where I live, what she is doing is no different than the guy that indoctrinates his kids into the Klan or black power. You are ruining a child for life. They will never have a decent relationship with any woman because they're going to ask questions like, is it okay if I look at you? And a girl is going to go, fuck off. Because unfortunately, the small percentage of weirdos that call themselves feminists really are closet lesbians. Go get your gay on. Stop fucking hating all men. Not all men rape women behind dumpsters. That statement of Anybody else wrote that? Well, the white guys I know don't shoot people in alleys. The internet would explode and WAPO would never print it. She just basically said all conservatives rape women behind dumpsters. That was her implication. That conservatives relegate their wives to the living room and the kitchen where they're naked, barefoot, and pregnant, and they must cook them food. The Handmaiden Tale's a fucking movie, you jackasses. If you go to the South, hey, HuffPo, while you're in the South, go into a Walmart and see who's in charge of the budget. It ain't a guy. It's a woman. Yeah, they're fucking idiots. I hate you all. You ruin everything and this wraps up another episode of flyover politic podcast please feel free to share this with your family and friends send a comments about the track by email and fop podcast at gmail.com fop podcast 
gmail.com. You can get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Remember to check out the Flyover Politic webpage at foppodcast.com, foppodcast.com. It's a theme to see links to feeds for the show, links to our Facebook page, and email us. There you'll also see links to every episode on the episode release page and the blog on the blog page. Going to do a podcast on Wednesday instead of Friday. The better half's out of town and I have nothing better to do with my life. So we'll be talking to each other on the 19th. For the rest of this week, duck all the stupid, enjoy the time with your family and friends, and don't watch the TV. Just shut that shit off. Or go watch Game of Thrones. It was boring. Didn't really get us anywhere. It was a recap of season six finale, but it was pretty decent. And as we show on this podcast, now all the left want the Starks to be part of the resistance, which is some creepy ass shit. So, as always, folks, thanks for listening and take care.